Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for this moment, for this time that you've given us to gather around your word. Father, we seek your rich presence. You've given us your spirit to teach us, to lead us into all truth and show us things to come. So, Lord, we welcome your presence. Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you. We welcome your divine knowledge and revelation and insight. Teach us. Show us Jesus in the scriptures. Show us Jesus in our lives. Take us to Jesus. Take us to the Father. We receive your wisdom this morning. And Father, I pray that you will anoint my mouth, anoint my mind, my heart, that I may proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray that the people will your people will not merely hear my voice, but they would hear your voice through me. Father, I pray that they would not merely see me, but they would see you through me. Not merely feel me, but feel you through me. Father, I pray that the glory of God would so surround us. But the glory of God would shine about us, in us, and through us, and it would affect the change in the world around us. Everywhere we go, calls your people, calls the world to see Christ revealed in us. Let our light so shine that men may see our good works and glorify the Father. We love you so much. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome everybody. Once again, welcome everybody. Uh, here in uh, the Kingdom Rock Church. Thank you guys so much for coming this morning. And Kingdom Rock, let's welcome our online community that's joining us. Welcome, online community. Welcome. Welcome. Wherever you are from all around the world, we celebrate you and we thank you for being a part of this service um, this morning. And we pray that you will be, uh, that you will receive a rich blessing from the Lord. Whether you're joining us by way of our Roku channel, by way of YouTube, uh, Periscope, or maybe you're listening by the radio, or by Revive365Radio.com, the 24-hour word, or, w, or 1440 WGMI uh, radio station, we welcome you. Or maybe you're listening by way of CD or podcast. So however you're listening or watching right now, we want you to know that we love you so very much, and we are praying for you, our online community. Amen. So I want to give everybody, of course, as we get started, an opportunity to give. Uh, you may give anytime during the service. And those of you that are joining us online, uh, you may go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hit the Give button in the top left-hand corner there and give into the ministry. Give as generously as the Lord allows you to do so. And I'm telling you, your gifts are helping us to proclaim the message of Jesus all around the world. And as we say here, when you give people live. Thank you so much for your generous giving and your support of the ministry. Well, as you know, we've been in a series for the last few weeks. This is actually part number three of the series entitled, Get Up. Get Up. And that's the word. That's the message that Jesus is giving to the body today. Get up. Get up. We are rising in our authority in Christ Jesus. We are rising in our authority. We are rediscovering the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of grace. It's good news to the hearer. Good news to the hearer. So I pray that you will listen with, with open ears and an open heart and be receptive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. This day, I expect that the Lord will speak to you directly and give you insight and give you revelation knowledge as to what God is saying in this hour. So get ready. Here comes the rich word of God. Hallelujah. Well, as you know, this series comes with a confession, and uh, we're going to go right ahead and, and confess the word. And remember, we're also going to confess, uh, confess uh, the Bible references. That's so that you will know where they are in Scripture. And, um, and if you want a copy, just let us know or take a screenshot or what have you, and we'll be glad to give it to you so that you can confess these things on a daily basis or as often as you possibly can. We want you to know not only uh, what the Scripture said, but where it is as well. So we're going to confess with power, okay? All right, so let's go ahead. Because of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I am forgiven, Colossians 1.14. 
All my sins have been washed away. 1 John 1, 7. I have peace with God. Romans 5, 1. I have been made the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. I am forever perfected and sanctified, being made holy. Hebrews 10, 14. I am not now, nor will I ever be condemned by God. Romans 8, 1. I am loved and accepted in the presence of God. John 3, 16, Ephesians 1, 6. As Jesus is, so am I in the world. 1 John 4, 17. Amen? All right, we're going to jump right back into our, our root scriptures. We're going to look at, uh, we're gonna look at uh, Romans 8, verses uh, 1 through 4, and then we're going to spring on further. So it goes like this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. That is, God broke the, the power of sin in your life. Say it with me. God broke the power of sin in my life. He broke its power. All right. So again, let's say that again, verse number three. It says, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, that is, Jesus was our sin offering. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. He broke sin's control over your life. That is an established fact. Sin no longer has power over you. It no longer has power over me. We have to confess that. We have to confess it and walk in it. Remember the word of God we have to and how we enter into things in the kingdom. We enter in by believing and confessing. That's how we got in the front door, salvation to begin with. We believe the word and we confess with our mouths. We believe in the Lord Jesus and we confess him as our Lord and Savior. And that's how we entered in. So it's the same way here. We believe and we confess. So God says that he has broken the power of sin. He has broken its control over our lives. We say yes and amen. Hallelujah. It has come to pass. Sin no longer has power over me. Glory to God. So you have to confess that. You have to confess that. Hallelujah. Confess it when you're not doing something wrong. Confess it when you are doing something wrong. Hallelujah. Confess it. Sin has no power over me. God broke the power of sin off of my life through the death, burial, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God broke it through the sacrifice of Jesus. Sin no longer has power over me. Glory to God. And you must confess that and declare that. Confess it and declare it. Confess it when you feel like it and confess it when you don't. Confess it when you feel holy and confess it when you feel unholy. Confess it when you feel worthy and when you feel unworthy. God has broken the power of sin off of my life. Amen. Hallelujah. You have to declare that. It is your blood bought right. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Listen, why did he do this? Let's look at verse number four. He says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Now that's B, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Understand something. And we're going to get into this. We know that the promises of God in the Old Testament, the promises of God in the Old Testament were all based upon your doing. If you were, I like what Isaiah says, I believe Isaiah 1, verse 19, here's the promise. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, I believe. It says, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. In other words, if you be willing and obedient, if you do what God says, then you will get good. 
If you do what God says, then you will be blessed. If you do what God says, then you will have answered prayers. If you only do what he says. That was the word. That was the law. But here's the thing. We can't always do good. We can't always do what is right all the time. We may be willing sometimes, but we're not obedient. We may be obedient sometimes, but we're not always willing. So because of that, because of the weakness of our flesh, there's a promise being left to us of eating the good of the land, of of having answered prayers, of having healing in our bodies, of having a deliverance, of having prosperity. The promise there is left to us, but we can't meet the standard. Remember, if you broke one of the laws, you broke them all. You're guilty of them all. If you broke one, you're guilty of them all. So therefore, even by this word in Isaiah, the first chapter, Isaiah 119, I believe, if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. If we're dwelling under the law, we would say, well, God, I guess you're blessing me today because I'm doing what you said today. But what about tomorrow? And what about yesterday? Did you do it then? No, no, I didn't do it. Well, then you're not required, or rather, then you haven't fulfilled the law. You haven't fulfilled the commandment. So therefore, you are disqualified to have answered prayers. Because of your disobedience, you're disqualified to have answered prayers. You're disqualified to have healing. You're disqualified um, for prosperity. You understand? If you're dwelling under the law. But Jesus as written here in Romans, the eighth chapter, verse number four, the Bible says that Jesus has, he says, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. What does that mean? That means that through Jesus, we have fulfilled the requirements of the law. Through Jesus, because Jesus was always willing and obedient, and because I am in him, that means I'm always willing and obedient, and I'm qualified to receive this blessing. I'm qualified to receive this word. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through his sacrifice, I can legally enter into this blessing because of what Jesus did for me with his blood. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Are you hearing what's being said? All the promises of God, and we'll get to this today, Lord willing, all the promises of God to God for you are yes and amen if you're going through Christ Jesus. But if you're trying to stand in your own righteousness, if you're trying to do things, if you say, well, I guess I have been willing, I guess I have been obedient, yeah, so I have, so that means that I qualify based on what I have done. Give me my blessing, Lord. Answer my prayer because I've been good. But the problem with that is you have not always been good. You have not always been righteous. And it doesn't matter. You can do 10 billion acts of good and one act of bad and still be damned. Still be disqualified. Because the stain of evil is so horrendous. And the goodness of man is so weak and watered down. None have done righteously. None have done good. It is only through the gospel of Jesus can we be ever be reckoned righteous or do actual good. The good of man often has strings attached. The good of man is often with selfish motives. Man's goodness does not equate to the goodness of God. So even your acts of goodness, your personal acts of goodness, will never measure up with the standard of God Almighty. You will never intend it to receive the blessings of God based on your actions. This is why the Lord gave them the system of sacrifice in the Old Testament. Because man could never do enough good in order to receive from God. So he allowed them to have bulls and goats and things of that nature. He allowed that, he allowed that blood to be shed so that the father could uh, temporarily look over their sins. But all the blood of the bulls and goats and other sacrifices simply looked toward, looked forward to what Jesus would do for us. And now because of Jesus, the righteous requirements of the law have been fulfilled. And now we can enter into it. Let me give you another example of this. 
Let's say you're going uh, to go buy a car. You go buy a house, and some of you may have experienced this before. And you go into the dealership, or let's say a car. You go into the dealership, and the credit manager comes. And because you know that your credit is not all that hot, because you know that your credit, you know, you're, you're, you're shaking there as they take the paperwork. You say, my credit is good now, but it hasn't always been that way. You're shaking when the credit app comes because you know that you, you might not qualify. You might not meet the requirements of this. And you really want this, but you know you might not measure up for it. You're hoping that your actions in the past will qualify you for getting this blessing. Well, that's living under the law. Under grace, you go in and you understand that your elder brother, your king, the Lord Jesus Christ, is there to co-sign for you. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And you know that he has a superior credit rating. Glory to God. You know that his credit is so good he can buy the White House if he wanted to. Glory to God. So when you know that he's there and he's going to co-sign for you, you're not sitting there, oh, my God, I hope they're going to accept me. I hope they're going to accept me. I hope my credit is good enough. Why would you do that when you know your elder brother's there and he's going to co-sign for you? Once he puts his name on the paperwork, it's done. Glory to God. He has fulfilled the requirements. Hallelujah. So you can either live in fear over what you've done, hoping you've done good enough, or you can receive the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and abide in grace and live after the Spirit. Glory to God. Because if you walk after the Spirit, you won't be uh, in shame and in condemnation or in guilt or in fear. You realize that what Jesus did was perfect, and it satisfied the requirements of the law. Glory to God. Now every promise of God to you is yes and amen. You can enter into it. You can receive it through Jesus. Hallelujah. And that is what the Father always intended it to be. Glory to God. So it says in verse number four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled where? In us. God gave his son to be the sacrifice to take away our sins, God gave his son to break the control of sin off of our lives that the righteousness or the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Glory to God who walk not after the flesh, walk not after the law, but after the spirit. Are you hearing? Oh, my God, I pray that you're getting this today. So we were talking about last week about uh, the unholy mixture in Acts the 15th chapter. We're going to go back there today. Acts 15. Let me tell you something. When Jesus offers to co-sign for you, let him do it. Amen. Glory to God. Let him do it. That's why he gave you his name. He said, sign my name. When you pray, use my name. I've co-signed for you. Use my authority. I've done it for you. Glory to God. Why would you go in your name? Go in his name. Hallelujah. So let's look at this again. Acts 15, verse number one. Glory, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for your grace. Acts 15, verse number one. Let's do a little bit of reading. And it says, and certain men came down uh, from, uh, from Judea, uh, taught the brethren and said, let me restart again. And certain men which came down from Judea, taught the brethren and said, except ye be circumcised, say circumcised. Come on, you at home, say circumcised. Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses. Remember, uh, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. All right, they said, it's, now they're talking about new converts, new believers. This was the thing. New people were being added to the church. They were believing in Jesus and these people came down and they began to teach in the church. What were they teaching? They said, except you be circumcised after the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. They were saying, except you go under the law, observe the law, what Jesus did was not enough. Let's look at verse, uh, let's look at, um, verse 5 through 11. I'm going to go ahead and read it all through. It says, but there rose up certain of the sects of the set of the Pharisees, which believe. 
These were Pharisees which believed in Jesus. But they were still very religious. A Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful, that is, it was necessary to circumcise them, talking about the new believers, and to command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders came together for to consider this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago God made choice among us, that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear. But we believe that through the grace, say through the grace. We believe that through the grace of Jesus, of, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall, we shall be saved even as they. So again, there was a big disputing. They believed, the Pharisees believed in Jesus, believed in his death, burial, and resurrection, believed in his grace, but they said his grace wasn't enough. Circumcision, now let's, let's go to the big thing about circumcision. I need you to see this. What's the big deal about people being circumcised anyway? Well, circumcision was a sign of the old covenant, the old agreement. We can say it this way, it was the uh, covenant means uh, testament, right? Testament, the last will. This was God's agreement with his people, and circumcision was a sign of that agreement uh, that God gave to Abraham and to the generations after him. Let's look at this in Genesis 17. Genesis 17. Genesis 17, verse 9 through 11 says, And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, Thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of, their fore of, the, of your foreskins. And it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. Again, this is a covenant. So God gave Abraham, let's say it this way, God gave Abraham the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision. All right? Then Moses came along, God gave law. Now, when Abraham first believed God, God gave him, God declared him righteous because he believed. We're going to look at this shortly. Abraham was righteous because he believed. Then Moses came, and God brought in the system of law. Under the system of law, everybody had to be circumcised to be under this covenant. All right? This was a covenant of works. It was not a covenant of faith. The law was not of faith. It was works. That is, if you did good, you would get good. Again, under this covenant, as long as you did right, you were blessed. But if you did wrong, you were cursed. Let me say that again. Under this covenant, as long as you did right, you were blessed. But when you did wrong, you were cursed. Now, there are a lot of believers today. You believe in Jesus, yes. But you still believe that if you do something wrong, your life is under a curse. I've heard believers say, God must be cursing me because I did this. Or God doesn't like me because I did that. He's cursed my life. He's not answering my prayers because I'm doing wrong, because I slept around, or because I lied, because, because I cheated. God's punishing me. I've heard that quite a bit. God's punishing me because 
I haven't paid my tithes because I haven't come to church. God's punishing me. He's punishing me. My life is under a curse because of what I've done. Now, if you are under the old covenant, that will surely be true. But God has called us to a new covenant. Ratified by better promises. With a better mediator, Jesus Christ. It is because of his blood that was shed upon the cross. Because of his blood, God's wrath towards you was extinguished in the body of Jesus Christ. Therefore, God no longer punishes you or will condemn you if you are in Christ Jesus. Because the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus for you and I. So therefore, when you sin, God's not punishing you. Now, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Inside of every sin will have its own wages. You go around lying, a lot of people are not going to believe you anymore. Your credit is going to be shot. You go around committing adultery and you marry, say goodbye to that marriage sooner or later. You go around stealing, your little hiney going to go to jail. You go around killing, sooner or later, you will be killed. Inside of every sin has its own reward, has its own payment inside of every sin. Is God punishing you for sinning, born again believer? No, the Father does not punish you because he punished Jesus for you. He's not going to do a double punishment. He, he put, your, put your sins upon Christ upon the cross, and then when you do something wrong, then he's going to punish you too. No, that's not how the system works. That's not how it works at all. It has never worked like that. Let me tell you, even under the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, when they would bring a lamb in for sacrifice, the worshiper would, the worshiper would bring the lamb. I think we've mentioned this, but I'll mention it again. The worshiper would bring the lamb into the, uh, into the temple where the priest would examine the sacrifice. It was the sacrifice that was examined, not the worshiper. It was this purity of the sacrifice. So if the sacrifice had no spot, no blemish, then the sacrifice would be accepted and the sacrifice would be killed. The sacrifice's blood would be shed on the behalf of the worshiper. The worshiper was never examined. It was always the sacrifice. If your sacrifice was acceptable, then the worshiper was acceptable. If the sacrifice was, was um, not received, then the worshiper would not be received. If the sacrifice was rejected, then the worshiper rejected. But glory to God in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the Lamb of God for us. And his blood and sacrifice was accepted in the presence of God the Father. And because he is accepted, and because his blood was shed, that means that I am accepted, that, that I am welcome. You are welcome in the presence of God Almighty. Hallelujah. It is not the worshiper that's examined. It's the sacrifice. Glory to God. And the sacrifice pays the price for the worshiper. Glory to God. That's why all in the Old Testament, the lambs died and the bullocks died and all of all those animals died. The people didn't die. God didn't require the human sacrifice. He said blood had to be shed. And all of those sacrifices would point to Jesus of what God would do as he sent his son into the world to die for humanity. The sacrifice was examined. Glory to God. The sacrifice was killed. Its blood was shed, hung on a cross, and he was burned. The burn off became the burnt offering in the, in the pits of hell, and Jesus burned up our sin. And on the third day, he rose with all power in his hand, and he, in his priestly duty, he took, he took his own blood before the Father and said, Father, this blood is shed on behalf of your people, and it pleased the Father. Now when you believe in Jesus, his blood is sprinkled upon your life. Glory to God. And God knows longer looks at you. He sees the blood that's been applied upon your life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That means you're always welcome in his presence. That means you're always received. That means that God is always happy to see you. Glory to God in the highest. 
And he did that for you so that he can have an intimate relationship with you. Oh, my God, I can't wait till we get there. I pray you're hearing the word of God today. So, again, under the old covenant, if you wanted to be blessed, then you did something good. If you wanted favor with God, then you had to make sure you did what was right. You did what was required if you wanted to be blessed. If you wanted to be blessed, you better do what is required. You better do what is good. You wanted God's favor. You want your prayer to be answered. Then you better do what's required. Then you better do what is good. Because if you didn't, then God would not hear you. He would not attend unto your prayers under the old system of law. You had to live a perfect life to receive the blessings of God. But guess what? We can't and we couldn't. But God never intended your life to operate independently from him. He always intended to give his son to shed his blood for you that you would be seen righteous in his sight. Now the law itself again was perfect, but flesh just couldn't do, just couldn't continue to do right in order to receive all the blessings. The law demonstrated to, to us that, that we're not as good as we think that we are. You're just not that good. No matter how much good you do, no matter how people see you. As a matter of fact, the scripture also uh, concludes that all are under, under sin. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. No matter how good you have done, God says, all have sinned. Your own righteousness is a filthy rag. It's a stench to God. Are you hearing? And let me bring this closer to you. Let's go to Galatians, the third chapter, Galatians 3, verses 10 through 14. Again, the Father never intended you to stand saying, look, Lord, I'm perfect. I've kept everything, so you ought to bless me. I'm just that good. This is one reason why the Lord, why the Father gave the law. Because man said, I'm good, I can do it. Until the Father showed them, all right, here are my requirements for being good. Here are my requirements for being holy. And he gave them the commandments. He gave them the commandments. And then men would look, we looked, oh, my Lord. Well, I lied, I, I did all that, and I wasn't always... Obedient, I didn't always respect my parents, so Lord, I have, I've messed up. And some had the audacity to say, like the young rich ruler, I've kept all those commandments. Now, what, what must I do? And Jesus had to show him, you've been covetous, man. Your money has become your God. And the Lord brings back the true essence of the law. When he tells them, if you commit adultery, if you look, uh, look in lust at another person, You've already committed adultery with her or with him in your heart. If you hate your brother without a cause, you're a murderer. It's the law. That's, the law itself is perfect. It's a mirror. It shows you that you cannot measure up to God, that you cannot measure up to a standard of holiness. But the law is perfect, but it had no power to change you. You can rub your, if you see something in your teeth, we talked about this, as you're looking in a mirror, you can rub the mirror on your face all you want to. It's not coming off. The law's purpose was not to make you holy, but to reveal the holiness of God, to reveal God's standard. Once you saw that you could not measure up, we cry out to God for a Savior, for a Messiah, because the Messiah would come and say, come here, let me get that out of your teeth for you. Let me bless you. Let me keep you. Let me make you whole. Hallelujah. We were never meant to be independent from God. Let's look at this in Galatians 3, verses 10 through 14. It says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Curse is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of of the law to do them. You see that? You, have, you want to keep the law? You want to earn your blessings? Well, don't just think about keeping the ones that you're pretty good on. You got to keep them all. If you mess up in one, you've messed up in all. He says, verse 11, 
but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It can't happen. You won't be justified by God by doing good. It says, it is evident for the just shall live by faith. That's what God wants us to live by. He wants to live in faith or by faith. Faith in what? Just any old faith? No, faith in what Jesus did for us in his sacrificial death. Faithful that his grace is enough. We live by faith that Jesus satisfied the requirements of the law, that we are righteous before God based on the finished works of Jesus, not by doing good things, not by being religious. So we are to live by faith. Hallelujah. So are you to, to give your time and go to church and, and pray and study? Yes, all these things are good to do. But these should be a, a benefit or a response to the gospel that is preached to you. Hearing the gospel of grace, understanding what Jesus has done for you, should make you hungry for his presence, should make you hungry for his word, hungry to pray, hungry to give. You should have a, an inward witness, an inward witness. It's a response as God has given to you and you understand what Jesus has done for you. You understand the horrible price that he paid for you upon Calvary's cross. And we say it again, Jesus was forsaken so that you and I would never be forsaken. If you ever, if you ever understood the agony that Jesus went through for you and for me, the agony of the crown of thorns upon his head, the agony of pulling out hair from his beard, the agony of being whipped in his flesh, torn from his body, the agony of the nails in his hands and his feet, the agony of laying there uh, upon the cross, dying for you and I, the agony of being forsaken by God Almighty. If you understood that, then you would want to be in God's presence. You would want to give. You would want to receive from the Father. You would want to be with him. But there, <laughs> it seems like in our lives today, we don't have a we don't really want to go to Bible study. We don't want to go to church. We don't really want to give generously before God. That's because you haven't seen Christ crucified. You haven't seen his precious blood shed on your behalf. And I love everybody. And I'm sure people say they love me. But I wonder how many of you would be willing to go to hell for even one minute. For anybody. But Jesus went into hell. He went to hell for you. And he dealt with your sins. He burned them up in the lake of fire. He took away every accusation that the devil could ever have against you. He burned it up completely. There's no more record of your offense. It's like if a man would have a, criminal, a lot of criminal cases. He has a lot of things on his record. And it's this record that the, that the attorneys use against him in the court of law where Jesus said, I've taken your offenses, I've taken your sins, and I've burned them up. Now there's no more record of your sins in the whole of heaven. There's no more record of your sins. Jesus dealt with them all. God dealt with the record of your sins in the body of Jesus Christ. There's no more remembrance of your sin. That's why it's called the grace of God. That's why it's called the good news. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And so the Lord says that we will live by faith. What faith? Any old faith? No, faith in what Jesus did. Faith in being grace conscious, not sin conscious. Oh, I did this again. I did that again. I did this. I can't be good enough. I can't do this and I can't do that. You're sin conscious, self-conscious. Then that promotes self-righteousness. But instead of being sin conscious, be grace conscious. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me. Thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on my behalf. Thank you for making me holy and righteous. Thank you for making me redeemed. Thank you 
for washing away my sins. Thank you. Thank you that I'm blameless in your sight. Thank you, Father. Thank you for accepting me and loving me. And thank you that all your promises toward me are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. I live every moment in the grace of God. That's why Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It's through his grace we live. We live by faith. We shall live by faith. Faith in what? Faith, any old faith, this faith in anything. Faith in what Jesus did for you. Verse 12, and the law is not of faith. No, it's not. It's of works. The law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed you from the bondage of the law. Christ has redeemed you from the reward system of the law, from the performance system of the law. Say with me, Christ has redeemed me. Christ has redeemed me. He bought you back. He brought you out of that system. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law, being made a curse for you. Jesus was cursed for you so that you would never be cursed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, curse, curse is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why did, the, why did Jesus do this? Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. What's the, prom- what's the blessing of Abraham? You'll find that in Romans 4, verses 1 through 8. Look at it later on. But the blessing of Abraham is simply this, righteousness with God by faith. When God says that you are righteous because you believe in Jesus, not by the hearing or the doing of law. It's all about Jesus. It's all about his shed blood. It's all about his death, burial, burial and resurrection. It's all about him. So we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith in what Jesus did, declaring what Jesus did. Now, my brothers and sisters, as we close today, I want to tell you that we live under a new covenant. A new covenant. Let's look at Hebrews, the eighth chapter. Hebrews 8, verses 6 through 12. We're going to take a moment and just read it because I, I need you to see this. I need you to study this. I need you to know this that you live under a new covenant. Covenant means testament. It's, it's an agreement. God gave Abraham an agreement. Moses picks this sign of the covenant up and brings law in. Under law, the circumcision was a part of that covenant. Moses was the mediator of the old covenant. But Jesus is the mediator of this new covenant. Mediator means a go-between. Remember when Moses was on Mount Sinai? And uh, people said, Moses, you talk to God for us. Moses became a mediator. They saw the thunders and, and the lightnings of God upon the mountain, Mount, upon Mount Sinai, and they were terrified. They said, Moses, you talk to God for us. Moses became the mediator, the go-between between man and God. But that was under the old covenant. Under the old covenant, you couldn't get close to God. Your priest did. Your priest did. But under the new covenant, Jesus is our mediator. He's the one that has talked to God on our behalf. It is his blood that continually speaks better things of you than that of Abel. Listen to the words of this new covenant. And let's rejoice in him. Hebrews 8, verse 6 through 12. Uh, the King James Version says, But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, talking about Jesus, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant. Say better covenant. Better. 
the new is better than the old. Which was established upon better promises. They're better promises. Verse 7, for if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. For finding fault, God found fault. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, said the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. Listen, this is the old covenant in a nutshell right here. You, you ready for this? He says, he says, not according, let me back up. Yeah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because, because they continue not in my covenant. They didn't do my word. They didn't obey me. You see this? Because they continue not in my covenant. What happened? I regarded them not, said the Lord. Because they didn't do what I said, I regard them not. In other words, I, another word for regard or to disregard here is to neglect. God said, because they didn't do what I said, I didn't listen to their prayers. Because they didn't do what I said, I didn't bless them. Because they didn't do what I said, they did not enter into the promised land. That was the old covenant. If you did good, you would get good. If you did right, you would get right. If you did what was right, if you were obedient, God would answer your prayers. It was a system of reward. If you did it, I'll give it to you. But listen, it goes on, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. Say, after those days. Jesus is the reason why it's after those days now. This is the new covenant here. He said, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. Remember before, he wrote the commandments on what? Stone them. But now he's writing them in your heart in the new covenant. He says, and I will be to them a God. And they shall be a people, and they shall be to me a people. That's important. God is the one who fights for you, who heals you, who delivers you, who takes care of you. You're God. He said, I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. Verse 11, and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know ye the Lord, for all shall know me. On the new covenant, all shall know him intimacy on the old covenant they did not have intimacy with god but on the new we will that's why jesus is your personal lord and savior he said and all shall know me from the least to the greatest and look at verse 12 he says for i will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquity will i remember no more under the new testament where Jesus is our mediator, God says, what sin? Don't you know what I did, Lord? What are you talking about? What sin? I will remember them no more. Now, you will remember them, and that old devil will definitely remember them, and some of the folk around you will definitely remember what you did. And Lord, it help you if it ever gets out on Facebook and all these other, and the internet and all that, and the world will try to remind you what you did. But God said, what sin? If you are in Christ Jesus, this is a part of the new covenant, of the new testament, the new agreement. All those who, who believe in Christ, who have received him as Lord and Savior, who the Lord has washed away their sins, God said, I'll remember your sins no more. 
In other words, he will not hold your past against you. In Christ Jesus, he has redeemed you from your past. And now you stand before God, a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new because of what Jesus has done for you. We live by faith in the finished works of Jesus, not being sin conscious, but being grace conscious. I pray that you're hearing, that you're understanding this. We enter this new covenant or agreement with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. The new covenant is of faith, and the old covenant is of works. How do you know if you're slipping into the old covenant? How do you know if you're walking by flesh? You get ready to pray, and you say, well, I hope God will hear me. I hope he will. I've seen people come to the altar for praying for prayer, and they want God to heal them, and they say, Oh, please, Lord, please, please, Lord, please, Jesus, please, Lord, please, please, please. Why are they saying that? Just like they're at the car dealership, hoping that they've, they've got enough credit, hoping that they've done enough good. And so they beg, oh, please, Lord, please heal me. Please help me. Please, please, please. Because they're still living under law. Even though they believed in Jesus like the Pharisees, the sect of the Pharisees, they believed in Jesus, but they still say, I have to do enough good. I haven't qualified yet for his promises because of what I've done. When Jesus stands before you right there, he signs, he signs the contract written in his own blood. And he says to the father, they are righteous. They are justified. They are redeemed. I have made them holy. I have made them sanctified. Hear them, Father, because they believe in me. That's the sign of the new covenant agreement with God. That we can come before the Father boldly before the throne of grace, knowing that Jesus has already done the work. In the old covenant, you had to work to receive right standing with God. In the new covenant, Jesus is our righteousness. And because of him, we are now the righteousness of God through him, through his finished work. Are you hearing me? Amen. Let's look at a couple more scriptures, then we'll close out today. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. I want you to see this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. I hope you're getting something out of this today. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Meditate on that word. Meditate on that. For God made Jesus the sin offering for us. Jesus knew no sin so that you and I might be made his righteousness. You and I might receive Jesus' righteousness. When you think about when, you, when the devil tries to bring mess to you and says, oh, you're nothing, you're nobody, just think at the cross, think of the cross of Christ. Think of the agony that Jesus went through as your sacrifice. And you will see that you are the righteousness of God because Jesus took your sins away. Through him, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And we'll stop here for today. And we'll pick back up on the question next week, why was circumcision so bad? 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, I want you to write this down and make sure you memorize this. Keep this in your notes. Remember this scripture. For all the promises of God in him. In who? In Jesus Christ. All. Say all. all. Say all. all. That is every promise that you can think of in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. All the promises that God has given in him, in Christ, are yea and in him Amen. Unto the glory of God by us. That means that you now qualify for every single blessing that the Father has ever said, He's ever spoken. You now qualify for every single blessing. That's if you go into the bank and there are several loans or whatever's there, and you have now you now have a backer, you now have an investor. And because he's with you, you qualify for everything. You go into some car lot, 
And you see these big expensive cars. You see the uh, Rolls Royce and the Bentley and all these things. You don't go in there shaking because of your benefactor, because of your investor. You qualify for all of it. Hallelujah. Everything. You go to some fancy subdivision and you look around the houses. You don't have to worry about it because you qualify for all of it. Glory to God. You qualify for all of it. There is divine favor upon your life that cannot be washed away. It cannot be washed away. God says all of my promises to you in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. You qualify for them all if you are in Christ Jesus if he is your Lord and if you walk after the spirit not after the flesh you qualify for your healing now you qualify for the good thing now you qualify for it not by your work but by the work of Jesus Christ we're going to take this up on next week about why the circumcision was so important. I mean, why was it so, why was the question so needful? Why was there such a debate? They said in Acts 15 again, hey, these new converts need to be circumcised. They need to observe the law of Moses. Why was it so that Peter said, why are y'all tempting God? Because they were trying to put the people under law. They were trying to mix grace with law, saying that the blood of Jesus was not enough. Now you got to also keep these other set of rules. Now you got to do this. If you do that and this, then you'll be made right. Listen, you cannot put new wine in old wineskins. You're going to lose them burst. You're going to lose them both. The, the wineskins would burst with the new wine. And this is really the sin and tragedy of the Laodicean church. When Jesus said, I would that you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. What is it, the true meaning and interpretation? I thank you, Lord Jesus, for it. He said, I would that you were either cold. That is, I would that you would either observe the law. And if you observe the law, then you would see that you needed me. And if you were hot, you would be under grace. You know you needed me. I, I would be yours and I would do things for you. But because you have a mixture of the two in your life, you're mixing law and you're mixing grace. He said, I will spew you out of my mouth. You become unprofitable. You cannot mix the two. It's either you're going to live under law, live by your own works, or you will live by the faith that was delivered to us by the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why the apostle, this is why the apostles prayed. This is why they declared that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. And he did not die in vain. So I pray today that you have received the word of God. And that if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, I pray that today you will. And that you will walk in grace. Walk in the knowledge of what he did. And stop walking after knowledge of what you've done because you are mixing the two and it is, it is inevitable that you will not receive from God. So I pray today that you're walking grace. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for my friends that are right now here and, and those that are watching from all around the world. Lord, I pray that you give them the revelation of Jesus. Holy Spirit, show them who Jesus is and show, show them what he has done for them with his death, burial, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I pray that you give them the grace to walk in grace, that you would fill them with the knowledge of what you've done for them. And Father, by your grace and in grace, I declare that all the promises of God to them are yes and amen. 
And Lord, I declare the blessing of God upon their lives. In the name of Jesus, I declare them healed in Jesus' name. I declare them delivered. I declare them loose from every shackle and chain that binds. And Father, if anybody's sick in their households, we declare by the stripes of Jesus, they are healed. We declare right now in Jesus' name, we bind the spirit of condemnation, fear, worry, doubt. We cast them away right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that your people would fulfill the righteousness that you've called them to. Bless them, Father, as they continue to walk in the Spirit. Bless your people, Father. Show them the way. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We, we love you guys so much, and we'll, we will see you next time. Bye-bye.